Hello everyone. I have Shabda here with me today on the first episode of the podcast. Shabda is founder of Agilic. Shabda and his team they have been building applications for quite a while. Welcome Shabda on the podcast. Thanks again. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, it would be great if you can give a little bit uh, brief about yourself uh, from your experience. Okay, sure. So, uh, so, so we uh, we have been building uh, applications uh, mostly using uh, Python, and uh, we have been uh, using uh, uh, this uh, this tech stack around uh, around the Python and the Zango ecosystem using uh, Zango REST framework and sometimes Flask. So, uh, I, so I do a lot of uh, lot of API API work. I, uh, I I build and consume a lot of different kind of kind of APIs. And uh, and as an industry, I think we are all moving towards API driven ecosystem wherein wherein everybody is publishing uh, and consuming a consuming APIs. So, uh, so I'm always thinking about uh, how to uh, how to build uh, APIs. And when I'm working with other people's API, I'm always I'm always thinking, okay, this is this a good API? Is this how I would do it? Uh, my worldview is a bit uh, is a bit shaped by the tools I use, uh, especially uh, especially around uh, around the Zango REST framework. So, so some of the things which I say might not uh, be uh, good with everybody because the tools we use uh, frequently shape how we think about uh, our world. Uh, a bit bit of background about why we are doing this episode on API design, as Shabda as well mentioned. We are moving towards an API-first world, and uh, you know we think this is something important to talk about uh, because when a lot of people start designing APIs, there are some things that you know there's still uncertainty about, and everyone is looking for best practices. So, from your experience, when you start designing an API from scratch, or when you get a new problem statement and you think about how to write, how to start writing an API. What are the primary things that you look for? As in, what are the first principles, or what are some of those rules that help you get started? So obviously, uh, when 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 you when you get a problem statement, you you think, uh, okay, wh- what is the what is the data model uh, I need to uh, be able to solve this problem? And and then you start thinking about what are the tables gonna be, what are the entities gonna be, or or if you're, if you're not using a relational database, you might uh, not be thinking in, in tables, but still you're, you're thinking in terms of entities, right? Frequently, uh, we do okay. We say okay, this this is this is a table, and uh, and this table maps to a REST endpoint. Uh, this is a resource, and and that's some that's something which I also do. Frequently. But it's worthwhile uh, thinking uh, at a, at a higher level uh, rather than going the data. What the data says. Okay, the, uh, uh, people frequently map uh, map tables to resources, right. uh, and uh, and uh, that's 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 not not necessarily bad because when you are starting, you don't always have a good uh, good sense of how things are going to evolve. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, at, at the start, start it's it's worthwhile to think at a higher level, uh, and uh, and and rather than thinking about uh, thinking about uh, at the table level, uh, mapping them to resources, uh, thinking about user interactions and mapping one say user uh, one thing which user interacts with as one 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 resource, and, and nobody gets gets API design right on the first uh, first try. You'd always have to revisit uh, your uh, your uh, uh, your expectations. You'd have to revisit. Uh, what uh, what re- what resource mapping was correct and and, and then uh, and, and then and then change that uh, mm-hmm. so 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 i would say don't sweat it too much uh, to, to to get it right the first time uh, people are fond of saying in python world uh, done is better than uh, uh, real artistship right? right so uh, so 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 get something out there and then 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 you'd have to evolve your your, your that makes sense right? That makes sense, and I like to think I, I I even from my experience I I think that's a very good way to get started, 
because if you treat api design or if you you can't just have things written in stone on the day one and i think it kind of evolves eventually you know when you have more clarity um but then i kind of liked when you said that you know instead of thinking about instead of thinking about mapping your api with the tables you rather think about mapping the endpoints with the user interactions right uh, and right. and that is something that kind of makes sense in terms of you know when 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 your api grows and you have a lot more use cases coming in so that is a very good way of thinking that hey instead of mapping it to tables rather think about you know rather think about interactions rather think about how the client is going to use the api in the end so Absolutely. yeah and uh, so coming to the twitter poll uh, that you had done on your uh, on your twitter account so you had a poll about uh, you know how the api url design should be in a particular case um, and then uh, in some case uh, in some case so the author wants to call a particular api and they want to get their books so that was the example that you used and uh, there were a few options some of those options were explicit where you know you had to put the primary key some of the op- options were some options were implicit and i think the results of the poll uh, it kind of showed that uh, people said that you know uh, they would rather have an explicit uh, primary key driven uh, url endpoint design right? right so what do you think about that as in did the results of the poll uh, do you agree with them or agree with that or do you think it would have been should have been something else all right so uh, so uh, so one of my engineering uh, mentors uh, uh, he is fond of saying that uh, all engineering all engineering is uh, is, is trade offs there are there are uh, when you are uh, when you are building a api url and, and and thinking about api url is is important because that frequently uh, Uh, leads to a lot of uh, things down the line about how people use your, uh, your use your api and how you also think about your api so i think it's important to get our uh, get our api url design right so mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, so 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 the key question i want uh, wanted to think about in that poll was uh, right that explicit versus versus implicit if you want to get uh, all the books of our author and you are and you are doing that in the context of that author should the authors primary uh, some kind of identifying the authors author be part of the url and, mm-hmm. and, and that's what generally uh, people would say is a correct restful uh, representation because because you want uh, resources uh, you want uh, you want urls to be mostly stateless right and uh, you don't want to be looking up uh, 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 looking up the users uh, uh, access to determine uh, uh, to determine what what resource that url routes to that's where where that uh, that's why people have that desire to uh, explicitly put that uh, that uh, primary identifier uh, in the url right. but at the same time obviously there is the other engineering principle of don't repeat yourself Right. right and uh, and uh, because when the user is calling the api uh, when the author is calling the api with their own uh, a bearer token or a jwt token then uh, then uh, you you have one way of getting that right and and then and then it's going to then it's going to uh, you have two different ways of determining what that author Uh, i wouldn't say there is there is any good answer uh, uh, to that and the results were uh, results were pretty split on on that there wasn't uh, like a clear winner 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 right. people said that okay use a, use a pk about 30% people said don't use a pk and then about 20% say that uh, use 
me uh, when author looks their books and then maybe use PK when they look other authors authors book, which is a compromise. But I would say that uh, uh, probably I would probably never go that route. I would I would either implicitly remove the PK or I would I would keep the PK. I, I, uh, there are a few designs uh, APIs uh, which use this pattern of having uh, me as uh, saying the implicit user. But mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I would I I would probably just be either explicit about it or or uh, just completely remove that uh, remove that identity. There are a few uh, tangential discussions uh, around uh, around this specific uh, thing, right? And uh, and, and that's something which uh, which people uh, frequently uh, encounter. So mm-hmm. so it's common to use uh, that uh, primary key uh, what you get from the uh, get from the database uh, as part of the URLs, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, but in my opinion, uh, uh, that's generally a bad uh, pattern because because you are uh, uh, you, you are leaking an abstraction. Right? Right. You are right. you are you, you are leaking your data. How many objects you have in your database, or uh, uh, something which which the consumers of your API shouldn't shouldn't uh, right. shouldn't use. Right. right. So uh, so yeah. So uh, so, so, so there happened. Yeah. Go ahead. So so here's a uh, so great point as in about leaking the abstraction. Uh, but you know, if you if you kind of think about it, I kind of uh, you know coming back to the same point. You know, we were talking about you were saying about explicit and implicit. You know, either having a PK uh, where even if you know you are that person and you still have to send your PK, right? Mm-hmm. Which means that you should have that information at every time. As in, you as an author, you should know your PK. Uh, but right. then on the other side of the sto- of the story, uh, you know, uh, where the second one, you know, slash API slash author slash books. Uh, which kind of points to the fact that hey, the author does not need to know his PK, and in, in that case, it's implicit. So, from you know, from my in my opinion, I'm a little conflicted in this perspective because while I really like explicit design coming from you know uh, the Zen of Python, uh, but then here, as you said, you know, leaking an abstraction, the 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 user of the API shouldn't really need to know their PK. Right. Uh, uh-huh. So, which is why I kind of think, and as you said, as you said, the split was, you know, kind of almost equal. Uh, right. But you know, in my preference, I would generally have uh, this thing as implicit, because then you know, you're of course you you're not repeating yourself. So, from your personal preference, which one would you uh, would you prefer? As in, uh, you know, having a PK explicitly, even for the users themselves, or not? Uh-huh. Which one would you prefer? Okay. This is something which uh, uh, this question came out of uh, something which we are uh, which we are building uh, which we are building at the moment, uh, mm-hmm. not with author and books but with some other entities. But 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 this kind of uh, nested uh, nested objects wherein you are one of the uh, one of the objects, it, it, it's it's a, it's a fairly common pattern, right? Right. And uh, and we had a fairly long discussion around around this when we were building this, and we actually went with the uh, with the first option uh, around keeping uh, around keeping the PK uh, because uh, because of two uh, two reasons. Obviously, it breaks don't repeat uh, don't repeat yourself but uh, one is it keeps consistency with all other uh, with all other things in your uh, in your api right as mm-hmm. an author you are you you need to look up your books right but you also need to look up other people's uh, you at that time or uh, you you need need the other author speaking so okay. it, so if you went with the option two uh, wherein you don't have a pk for your books you have at least Two different uh, URL patterns. You, you might have the same base uh, class, which actually uh, does the uh, serialization, returns the returns the data, etc. But at least at the URL level, you have now two different URL patterns. 
right that's the first thing and it also breaks uh, it also breaks the url uh, consistency with other things uh, as a author you would be uh, say uh, looking up uh, uh, all the libraries in our city right and, and then the and the url for that might be api slash slash ctpk slash slash libraries right and right. Uh, and then then you, this pattern completely separates itself out from everything everything else so uh, i would say that uh, if i had to take a decision around it i would say that yeah i would go with the first one because mm-hmm. of uh, consistency on a, on a, for a specific url as well as consistency with the rest of the urls which you would, you would have in your app right and that's a very good point uh, <clears throat> but then again uh, one one i think we missed one thing and which we we just discussed uh, uh, in terms of the context so i think the context is also more important and i think i had also i had commented on that thread saying Uh, that also depends on context because if the api only allows the current author to uh, access their books and there is no way that you know the the current author will access other authors books then you know maybe the implicit version makes more sense but then right. if the api is generic if uh, no. you know, the current author is is not a special user but you know just any client then i think the first version where the explicit uh, primary key is provided that makes more sense I agree with that. Definitely, it's a uh, there is no there's no um, there's no clear an- answer. It will, it will depend on what you are trying to do. Right. And and that's why that's why people uh, people had uh, so many different opinion about it because people would would answer that based on what they are uh, what they have built in the past what they are currently currently building. So 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 maybe because I am currently building something else, I'm I'm more inclined to uh, to to the first answer with the explicit one. But if I was building something else, I I, I might at that time say that okay, the second one second one makes more sense. So, so yeah, okay. definitely I'd say that uh, it's completely contextual. Completely completely uh, completely contextual. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so slightly diverging from the topic uh, but not really diverging so i want to talk about the the, the viewer pattern uh, which i personally like uh, so i first encountered this pattern when uh, interacting with github's github api uh, the graphql api and so the viewer pattern is 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 like when you have an access key uh, for a particular user then that user is being referenced in the api with or that user uh, the one that the access token belongs to that user is being referenced in the api implicitly using this special you know property called viewer so okay. you don't need to you don't need to explicitly know uh, what is my username or what is my user id uh, rather you can just refer to yourself as the viewer right and i kind of feel that is the same thing when we you know in the, in the poll as well the second option that you know when everything is implicit so we are actually using that pattern somehow that the api the caller of that api knows who they are the api knows who the caller is implicitly and why i like this pattern is because it kind of allows you to do a couple of really nifty things you know okay. uh, because then since you are referring yourself you you just need to refer to yourself as the viewer then when you're writing client code and you know if you are dealing with a lot of other users you don't need to make that one extra call or you don't need to make that you don't need to store that one extra you know context of identifying who the user is and you can just refer to them as the viewer and then okay. everything else cascades from there so uh, github uses graphql and then graphql has this thing that you know you refer to these entities as properties right uh-huh. and that's something that's very nifty that we have found in terms of you know uh, implicit auth authentication as well so when you are when you are accessing an api resource 
and then the 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 current user the viewer does not have access then it's very you know it kind of it's i feel it's very natural and which is why i like even if it's implicit and i'm a big fan of explicitness but even if it is implicit it kind of feels that it's a natural way of you know talking to an api right uh-huh. uh, so yeah so that's one about uh, github and then of course uh, you know no no discussion about api design can be uh, can be complete without mentioning the stripe api so uh, i i think you have had experiences uh, with stripe api uh, i personally like so they have this concept of idempotency and they have built idempotency right into the api as well so is there something particular that you that you like about stripe api or other api patterns that you like so yeah uh, so 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 stripe api is uh, obviously i mean the, uh, the, the people who have worked with hundreds of api they, they when when they when they uh, when they encounter a new uh, api they, say, they they pray okay let this be as close to stripe api as, as possible and stripe, stripe has a really really good api they've thought hard about how to make it really easy to use it and uh, so 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 there are a number of things uh, things they, uh, they 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 got uh, right one is uh, obviously uh, it, it's a well designed api uh, it's internally consistent you if you have used one of the api you, you, uh, you, you, uh, you when you use the next api you okay that it looks consistent with with the with the other uh, other, other api and that's that's impo- important you can't uh, uh, have uh, uh, you can't have uh, one api use a specific uh, way of doing things and then other other api uses a different format and that that breaks expectations of of, of the api consumers uh, so 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 stripe is uh, great because it's uh, it's it, it's consistent it's it's uh, conceptually uh, it has conceptual integrity uh, integrity but uh, one thing which uh, which they uh, got really right is obviously their documentation that, that that's top notch and uh, and i think uh, that's where a lot of apis are lacking you build you build you build a great uh, you build a great api uh, but you don't document it, it well uh, or you uh, doc you think you document it well you uh, there are so many tools now you, you, we have apiary we have uh, swagger we have uh, 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 a bunch of a bunch of other sim- sim- similar uh, similar tools people uh, sometimes uh, have this uh, uh, auto generated api documentation using say swagger or uh, or other tooling and and that always leaves a, a poor taste uh, when i'm i'm using those api because uh, uh, because you you put in so much time building this great uh, this great api and yeah you couldn't uh, spend uh, the last 10% uh, making sure it's uh, documented well enough for me to use that, that that's something where a lot of apis uh, uh, miss the mark Uh, Stripe is great in another way that uh, that everything uh, is runnable. When you are when you are reading their API, uh, you you are on the on their documentation uh, documentation site, and uh, they, they they detect that okay you are already logged in to Stripe, and then your uh, you can make a call right from their documentation, and your uh, your authentication tokens are being filled uh, in there. So so I think a number of uh, of uh, new APIs are trying to do that, but I think Stripe was one of the first to. uh one of the first to uh first to uh, do that right. so, so that's another thing great about stripe uh, uh so i think about- so i think uh so what we what we can get from that uh, as a as a as in you know as a learning is uh even if you have great api design since your users will be ending up using the api you need to put equal good attention in documenting and letting the users try the api easily absolutely Right. absolutely not not only documenting but the the immediate feedback you get when you are reading the documentation and you can try it right from inside 
that, 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 that's what uh, um, moves the API from just good enough to, to, to great. Makes sense. So I think having a sandbox becomes very easy, you know, makes it very easy for developers to kind of try the API. I've seen a lot of APIs in the, out in the wild who implement this sandbox approach. But then uh, what I personally like about Stripe is, you know, their APIs, it's very, very consistent in also in terms of how you are supposed to use it. And that's, that, that gels very nicely with their dashboard. So you just flip a switch and it comes from, you know, live mode to you know, the test mode. And I think that is one of the things that, you know, everyone who's designing a public API, they should keep in mind that, you know, you need to get the developers to, you know, try it out very, very smoothly. You know, that's so, so that's and, and I think that's, that's one of the, my favorite thing. So we have been using Stripe as well. I have personal experience in integrating Stripe with, with, mm-hmm. with our product. And, okay. you know, all you need to do is, you know, flip, flip the keys and you can mm-hmm. move from, you know, your dev to production. And I think that is a very good mm-hmm. goal to have when you are having a, when you're building a public API for your own product that, you know, it should be as easy for developers to kind of switch the keys and be done with it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's right. And also uh, talking about consistency, I've seen that, you know, not just Stripe, but other APIs as well. Uh, some of the REST APIs, they use status codes, uh, you know, beautifully. But then there are other, some, some other cases as well where, you know, uh, uh, the API is very opinionated in how they're using status codes. So I remember okay. from, you know, a few years back when I was building something on top of Facebook's, you know, open graph API, I guess. And uh, so apparently uh, at that time, I'm not sure if it is correct today or not, but that API, it only used to send, uh, you know, 200 as a status. And then mm-hmm. everything else used to come inside the body. Mm-hmm. So even if something is failing in terms of, you know, authorization or authentication or, you know, bad request or anything like that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, the response would come with a, with a status of 200. Uh, but mm-hmm. then they had their own status codes which mapped mm-hmm. to what was going wrong and that was part of the body. And that mm-hmm. kind of always felt uneasy to me because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you think from a very purist perspective or, you know, from a very ideological perspective, you should be, if you're using REST, you should be using the status codes well. Uh, so what do you think about that? So like we were talking earlier, uh, I think context is context is important. Obviously, when people... Uh, uh, any high-profile APIs is being built. People are going to think about think about the status codes. And I would say that if uh, if they didn't use like a purist uh, status codes, then uh, then I wouldn't just hold it against uh, against that. There is uh, this saying uh, saying that uh, uh, hell is other people's code, right? And and then right. that's uh, we could see it's easy for us to uh, uh, easy for me when I'm consuming an API to look at other people's API and say, oh no, this isn't good. Uh, what was this guy thinking? He doesn't even know the basics of HTTP. Uh, he doesn't know even the basics of uh, a restful API design. But I like to put them uh, myself in that one and, and think about okay, there are probably another other constraints uh, which uh, which uh, which I don't know, and, and then uh, uh, I wouldn't just hold it against against them. But so I would say that uh, uh, it's easy to say that okay, be uh, very purist about it. But but there are uh, a number of constraints, and and, and there's one thing when you are bring, thinking about saying about uh, about status codes, there was something which I was thinking about about because we're talking about GitHub idea, right? So mm-hmm. uh, if you if you make uh, 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 GitHub doesn't give a 404 status codes. If uh, or sorry, GitHub doesn't give a 403 status codes. Okay. Uh, if you make a call to access private API with a wrong access token, 
because if if it gave you a that's uh, uh, that's that should a purely supposed might be able to return a 403 because that resource uh, exists but you are not supposed to access that right right but that leaks data because that leaks the information about uh, about uh, whether a private repository exists or not exists so, or not so, so right uh, so uh, in those kind of scenarios uh, uh, GitHub API always gives you back a 404 because because you are not even supposed to know about a new office existence. Right. Right. So 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 and that's, that's a great pattern. Yeah, and that's a great pattern. So and right. there's a really good example of you know uh, going away from. So I, I I like to you know I, I I keep using this phrase of you know breaking the box. Okay. Mm -hmm. so the box says that you know you have to follow these patterns. Uh, mm -hmm. This is what you should do in one some perspective. So, mm -hmm. for example, a 403 and a 401. So 401 mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, unauthorized and 403 is permission denied. If I'm, right. not, I'm not wrong. So I think a 401 is supposed to be used when you can do something about it. As in, you know, you're not using the right key or you're not using, uh, or, 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 you know, your key is expired. So a 401 will go away if you take some action, you know, which is right. something on your part. But I think 403 is, is semantically, it means that, hey, you can't do anything about it uh, because mm -hmm. you don't have access. So I think that is one difference. But then again, if you, as in that is where I think it, it, it breaks the box because, you know, as you said, uh, if you're not supposed to, you know, know about a repository, then you should be throwing a 404 uh, and right. not a 403. And that's a very good example. I really like that example. Uh, because then it, I think it opens up a you know security vector, uh, security uh, vulnerability that you know, you can actually know whether this API repository exists or not, right? Which is supposed to be private. And I think a lot of APIs still do that. Uh, a lot of APIs still do this, uh, still still do this pattern. But yeah, that's an interesting nuance. So um, and yeah, and so one thing that I I, I kind of want to talk about is pagination. Um, uh, which is pagination is a pain. Everyone knows that. Uh, so there are two patterns that I've seen, uh, generally seen APIs follow uh, two distinct patterns. Some, some APIs, they kind of prefer that the pagination, the information about pagination goes in the body. And some APIs, you know, kind of prefer that the information about, the, about pagination goes in the headers. And I think, right. I think, you know, and I think there is a spec, there's an official spec about REST somewhere which says that you know uh, there are a few there are a few headers specifically for pagination i think next mm -hmm. there is a next header if i'm not wrong so mm -hmm. what do you think about what is your opinion on that as in what what do you think what do you prefer to do pagination as as part of the body or as part of the headers so generally i have uh, generally i have used pagination in in, in, in the headers but uh, but there have been cases uh, cases wherein i've used pagination uh, pagination in the body uh, uh, I don't have a strong opinion about this. I, uh, I would say that uh, uh, both are reasonable approaches. Both are reasonable approaches to take. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, 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 what I think it's is more important is uh, uh, the internal consistency. And, and I think we keep keep coming back to that. That right. uh, that if you have if you are using next as a uh, in the body. Then, then, and rest you you inherit a project which does that. Then don't don't bother changing that for for for, for, for new APIs. Uh, right. It's it's more important to be uh, internally consistent mm -hmm. than uh, be exactly correct to the uh, correct to the specs. Makes uh, sense. One one thing which I think people don't think about uh, pagination uh, uh, 
pagination enough is the risks paginations can uh, put to the response times of uh, your APIs or, or, or even like some kind of uh, uh, denial of service attacks using pagination. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. You have a lot of, say, books uh, books in your system, right? And mm-hmm. you allow, and you and it's, it's a common pattern to say pagination equals start start equal to 100 and size equal to 20, right? It's a, right. It's a, it's, it's a common pattern. I've seen that, that many times. But, uh, and, and that generally maps to, if you are assuming using a relational database, to something like offset 100 or limit yeah. 20. And people don't always think about it, but uh, it's, it's, it's possible to, uh, and because you are using an API, uh, API uh, this issue might not come if you had a normal old style uh, web application wherein uh, you showed, showed page uh, uh, the pagination and then did it from there. But but uh, APIs open some uh, a different kind of attack vectors. So so somebody is going to just keep on hitting books uh, books uh, offset equal to uh, uh, ten thousand and, and size equal to hundred. And because uh, uh, because in most databases offsets are hard are a, are a costly operation. So, 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 in my uh, uh, my opinion, that approach it's 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 okay to start, but uh, but there are a few other uh, approaches wherein wherein like uh, you use a cursor based based pagination and uh, and uh, and that tells a next size uh, the mm-hmm. next, but but you can't request arbitrary next uh, because right. that's validated that, that that's validated on the server side whether you have the right to request the next or not. Right. So, uh, so, 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 so that's that's something which I would say is more important to get right when you are uh, adding pagination to your API rather than thinking about the body or header. Makes sense. So, yeah, I think I I, I agree to that uh, as well. But just you know, one kind of nitpick. I personally, you know, I I think that you know, pagination is something of a meta, right? It's okay. not your data. Uh, so okay. since we were talking about uh, since we were talking about where to send the pagination data right uh-huh. i personally think that you know pagination is something of a metadata rather than the data okay and uh, okay. if if there is a way that you can separate the metadata from the actual data that kind of uh-huh. makes more semantic sense in some okay. in some in some cases you know uh, from my perspective uh, from my opinion uh, you know i have used uh, I have consumed APIs directly in the in the front end web app, and then I've seen that you know it doesn't really matter whether you're sending uh, the pagination data as part of the body or the headers. But then just for the sake of you know design, I, I personally would prefer prefer to kind of segregate that. But then coming back to your point, maybe it's just a nitpick. It's not the most important part. The important part would be you know how, as you said, how to design the pagination itself. And I think uh, if you don't need uh, one, I think all APIs must have a hard-coded upper limit of the number of uh, you know mm-hmm. objects they can fetch, of mm-hmm. course. And 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 you won't believe I have seen a lot of APIs in the public who don't do that. As in, you mm-hmm. can arbitrarily set the length of the page size. Right. Uh, but yeah, anyone who is sensibly designing an API, they must have an upper limit, let's say hundred or two hundred, mm-hmm. depending on that. But then I think okay. the cursor cursor-based approach again is is like a very good approach to take. Uh, from GraphQL, uh, GraphQL has this thing. Uh, you know, uh, instead of instead of sending instead of you know instead of sending a page number like that, you actually use these cursors, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a very good good way to think about it. Um, so so yeah, and I think we are we already we actually talked a little bit about security there as well and uh, authentication mm-hmm. as well. So uh, so a couple of things that I want to kind of mention since we have been talking about API design and 
Uh, I personally have been, uh, since I, I have been exploring GraphQL for the past like one year, I used to be a REST loyalist, uh, so mm -hmm. as to speak. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, I, before I started using GraphQL, I used to like, I had dismissed, I, I'm guilty of dismissing GraphQL before I actually mm -hmm. experienced it. But then I came mm -hmm. to use GraphQL and I kind of liked a couple of things. Uh, one was, you know, how explicit it was. Uh, not in terms of, you know, getting the data, but the explicitness is something I liked in terms of, you know, when you are making changes. So GraphQL mm -hmm. has this pattern of mutations. So okay. by default, your, uh, your API, whatever you expose, one, it's read-only. And second, you explicitly define what are the resources that you are exposing. Okay, so that's for the get. You know, that's for the, you're getting the data. But when you have to change, when you have to, you know, add changing capability or edit capability in the API, then you have to explicitly define all the actions. So why okay. I like this is because it kind of, uh, and coming, coming, coming back to, you know, going back to the point that you said, right? That when you're, when you're designing an API, you should rather not map it with the tables, but think about mm -hmm. what the user is going to do. Right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that I love about GraphQL when you talk about mutations. So instead of making a post request, uh, mm -hmm. So here's an example. So let's say author, we keep coming back to the author example, right? So let's say the author has to create a new book, right? Okay. In a REST, in the REST, in the RESTful API, what you will do is you'll make a post request to say slash author slash books or whatever, right? And okay. then you'll send the, send the body there and right. uh, you make a post request and the new book will be created, right? Okay. And similarly, and, and, and you will get a 201 created status okay. code. Okay. Uh, and then when you want to change something on the book, what you will do is you'll send a patch request and you'll get a 202, right? Okay. Uh, so this makes sense from, you know, when you're thinking from a table perspective, but then to do the same thing in GraphQL, you know, you don't create, you, cre you have to create these two mutations, you know, okay. one explicitly that, you know, add book and the second mutation would be, you know, update book. And, okay. And, and I think that is one pattern that I like about GraphQL because whenever so, you're so, adding a new stop, mutation... Stopping you stopping, stopping there for a second. Um, I haven't used GraphQL that right. much. So, but, uh, when, but, the, but the way you are describing it, that maps cleanly to the, the, to the, uh, uh, to the HTTP uh, verbs of post and patch, right? So right. what's, what's something new which I'm, I'm getting here? Because if I was building a less, then... then Post would be creating a new, a new, new thing, and patch would allow a partial update to right. which I'm assuming you are calling mutations. So, uh, so, 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 what's for the lack of a better word, life changing about GraphQL? So, so yeah, and and this is exactly what my opinion about GraphQL changed just because of this. So, uh, so first part in the rest in in, in a restful world, right? You you map these actions mm -hmm. with the verbs. You know, post means creating okay. something new, and patch means updating something existing. Here, okay. you don't have anything like that, you know, here. So GraphQL, I, I like to say that, you know, GraphQL is like one more level of abstraction over HTTP. So you don't map it to HTTP at all. Uh, rather, okay. so all requests in GraphQL are post requests. You know, there are no get okay. requests. So even to okay. get data, you, you use a post request. So it's, it's one layer of abstraction. But then from an API design perspective, uh, what you do is say, if you have to write if you have to give the ability for the API user to create a new book, right? Okay. The same way that, you know, you, you create a function, right? Add, add a new book. You have to create okay. a mutation that 
add new book which takes these explicit three parameters and then you have okay. to call this mutation okay. and there's there's a similar mutation for edit so so what i'm trying to get at is you know instead of things being implicit right mm-hmm. so when you when you have designed a rest api you have this implicit thing that hey okay if there is a slash books endpoint implicitly mm-hmm. you can assume that okay making a post will create a new book and making okay. a patch to a single endpoint will update that right okay. and that is implicit and that is the world that is the life changing thing that i kind of found in graphql <laughs> that you know you okay. don't have anything like that everything uh-huh. that you have to you know uh, every ability that you have to give to the api user has to be explicitly defined and why i like that is is because is only because then when you are designing the api you need to sit down and think about that you know particularly think about that what okay. are the actions that you want to give to the users and i think that process helps you refine your api design a little bit more and makes it uh-huh. more user friendly mm-hmm. okay. so yeah and, and and that's the only you know that's that's one of the preferences i i wanted to bring this up uh, in the podcast because you know since we have been talking we started talking about api url design and then we started talking about implicit versus explicit and how these two you know kind of these two patterns kind of stack up to each other and i think right. that is something important from my perspective you know there are a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of discussion about what is good what is you know whether rest is better whether graphql is better you can do this in rest you can do that in graphql but all of those things aside i think this is something that i feel is worth looking at uh, you know mm-hmm. this pattern because it kind of helps you sit down and you know kind of think about the user okay what is the user going to do right so just to sum this up uh, so we talked about we talked about api design uh, in terms of url design then we talked about implicit and explicit patterns in apis and i think we came to the conclusion that a lot of this is contextual and uh, you as an api designer you need to choose what's best for your context and you know kind of break out of that of that box and then we ta- also talked about some patterns that can lead to potential you know attack vectors uh, when you are not designing your pagination well um, right and so i think i think i think the big learning from this discussion or the big takeaway from this discussion is uh one uh, when you think about api design think about the context more uh, because that mm-hmm. kind of drives your api design and uh, that yeah. kind of contributes to evolving your evolving api design and the right. second thing that 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 you know we can take away is uh, rather than getting hung up on getting the api design you know uh, perfect uh, enable people to use the api first you know Absolutely. better documentation and maybe better way of using a uh, better way of trying the api out so Absolutely. is there some something that you'd like to add to that the, the only thing i can say is uh, uh, you wouldn't know how people are going to use it uh, until people use it and that's why it's important to give uh, give it uh, uh, give it quickly to uh, to the to the consumers to, to to if you have a ui team then to them or, or if they are going to the external consumers to them so that they can use it uh, you have a documentation they getting you when you are going you are going to know how they are going to use it but people are always going to use your api in unexpected ways and and engineering is hard because uh, uh, because so many moving parts need to fit in right and your api is going to be a small moving part of a larger uh, vehicle 
so uh, so uh, when, only when that uh, 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 in isolation it's easy to find out how uh, how uh, uh, that works and 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 uh, but when people try to use it in uh, unexpected ways it, your api will break in unexpected ways and 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 how you respond to that is going to be a big part of uh, being a good api uh, a good api developer uh, another thing uh, we, uh, we have to think about is uh, uh, the permissions and security around uh, around APIs. You, 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 when you build your API, you think that this is how it's gonna be used, right? But uh, but uh, uh, but API is a is a different kind of attack uh, vector than uh, than uh, non API based web applications because any adversary is going to uh, first thing they are going to look at is uh, uh, is uh, iterate through all your APIs and then. Uh, 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 use them in unexpected uh, unexpected ways. Uh, if you if you are using say a primary key based uh, uh, based uh, uh, thing, they would try to enumerate uh, and and iterate through all all the primary keys to hit it. If you are using some kind of uh, token, uh, then uh, then uh, they would try to reuse it. Uh, and and that's why it's important that your tokens be expiring, your permission systems be good. So uh, so uh, so so one of the harder parts of API is design is getting the security right. And uh, and uh, that's uh, something which I have been uh, uh, trying a lot uh, in, in recent times. Once you give it, give it. Once you have people uh, people trying it out, you and you have good logging, you will be able to understand okay what are the new attack vectors against which I need to protect my users. Hmm. Makes sense. That makes sense. So uh, so yeah, and I think I, I kind of agree because you know uh, security is something that you can't have an afterthought in you know in in, in modern times. You know, you have to think about that from the very beginning. And I think it's, it becomes very, very easy for, you know, uh, not very easy, but because I think it becomes easier for you to have a control on that if you are keeping security first in your mind when you're designing it, uh, mm -hmm. rather than, you know, retroactively trying to figure out what's going wrong. I think that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to think about. So, so, so yeah, and I think that, that kind of concludes what we wanted to talk about today. Uh, we talked about API design. We talked about, uh, you know, our humble opinions on, you know, uh, you know, implicit versus explicit design and our humble opinions on uh, how URLs should be designed. And I think, I think uh, you know, we should have like more discussion around uh, these, these opinionated things uh, because it kind of brings out a lot of perspectives. And then you know the 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 listener would be uh, they would be able to choose what kind of fits and you know what kind of makes sense so uh, i think let's conclude uh, it's time to conclude the podcast the first episode of the podcast we were talking api design with shabda from agilic thanks a lot shabda for being on the podcast thank you so it was great talking to you